Amen. 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 Holly, can I see this? Thank you. You can grab a seat. Amen. What a beautiful song. Thank you. Hey, we, uh, we are in the round. And I know for some of you, that's great. For some of you, that's a little bit uncomfortable. Just want to acknowledge that and, and hope that if you, it's a little uncomfortable, you can find a spot kind of in the back somewhere and, and, and that's good for you. And one of the things I really appreciate about being in the round is that we, it reminds us of how we're a community and how we're here together to worship God. And it, it's not about a front or a back, but we are here together. And as we come to God's word today, uh, we come together as a community. Um, Garrett, do we have that? Uh, is it coming up? Nice. All right, got a question for you. What is, when you think of Whitworth Perfect, this ideal persona, what is it? So will you take a moment, take out your phone, please, and go to menti.com and put in your, your, what do you think of? What's one or two words you think of? You think of Whitworth Perfect. As you do that, and you see, we'll start seeing things, start seeing your words pop up on the screen there. Um, we are on the series in the Gospel of Mark, coming to the end of the Gospel of Mark now, about how when we meet Jesus, everything changes. We've heard story after story of encounters with Jesus, meeting Jesus and seeing everything change. Last week we heard about this woman of, and her, her extravagant act of worship <laughs> nice one. Her extravagant act of worship as she met Jesus and laid down such a valuable gift to him. <laughs> oh dear, you're not supposed to name people in the room. <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, okay. <laughs> this is great. All right. Keep them going. Longboard proficient. Yeah, what else do we have? Luke Parker. Family, Scovucks. Oh, I, I see a community coming, getting a little bigger. Uh, what is Whitworth perfect? <laughs> That's good. A heel hook. Someone's been at the climbing wall a little bit. Saga, nice. Caring professors, there are a couple in this room. Others before yourself, that's cool. All right, well, as that keeps going, thank you for, thank you for, for giving us a picture. It's a picture of some of these words we think of when we think about Whitworth perfect. And today's text brings us to this idea of perfection and some of these ideals that we have when we think of Whitworth perfect might guide us and in, invite us somewhere this morning. We'll come back to that as we go. We're at uh, Mark chapter 14. I'm have to take that off now, uh, Garrett. We, we know we won't be able to hear anything. <laughs> Thank you. Mark chapter 14. And Jesus and the disciples, they've come to Jerusalem. They've now, they just had their Passover feast. And Peter and the disciples have been walking with Jesus now for about three years. They've been learning and growing and understanding. And 
they they feel like they're kind of getting somewhere. I mean, even though they're kind of a bumbling crew, as we know, they're they're getting somewhere. And as they come along, um, we we see that 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 Peter's gained some confidence. I mean, maybe kind of like some of us in the room. You know, some of us. Everyone's been here at least at Whitworth for three months. We've all had you know gotten our getting our feet under us, getting things going. I know the way the ropes. Some of us for three years. Some of us for thirty years. We have the whole mix. But we feel like yeah, I'm kind of getting this now. Well, that's what Peter's like. We're he's getting it. Feeling pretty confident. All, all going pretty well. They go out, the Jesus, Jesus is kind of this famous guy, they're, they're spending time with him, and, and, and everyone's looking for what he might do. They go to the Mount of Olives, and, and then Jesus drops this bomb on them. Oh yeah, you know Jesus says, you're all gonna become deserters. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Peter, you can imagine, what? But after I'm raised up, I, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter says, even though all become deserters, I won't. I'm not going to leave you. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you, this day, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said vehemently, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. No way, not me. I get it. I got it. I have things under control. I'm better than that. I will not turn away from you. I will not abandon you, Jesus. Not me. Not us, they said. Not us. We're better than that. Well, the story goes on, and Jesus goes and prays in Gethsemane, as we remember the story. He's arrested, and when they come to arrest him, verse 50, all of them deserted him and fled. Just like the Zechariah passage that Jesus had quoted, the sheep are scattered. All of them deserted and fled. Already, Jesus' words are coming true. But that's just the beginning, right? Then Jesus faces this false trial in the night at the high priest's house, and Peter stealthily follows to the courtyard to see if he can see what's going on. Peter cares still. He didn't, doesn't, it didn't change his heart even though he wasn't able to come through. He goes, and he's in the courtyard, and remember the story, but let's hear it again. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. Read from there. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him you also were with that Nazarene Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't understand or know what you're talking about, he said to the servant girl, and he went out into the entryway. When she saw him there again, she said to those standing around, this fellow is one of him. No, not me, no way, I'm not with that Jesus guy. He denied it. After a little while, those standing near Peter said, surely you are. One of them, for you are Galilean, your accent gives you away. They called down curses and swore to them, I don't know, I can't call down curses in chapel, you know, kind of, <laughs> we don't use that kind of language in here. I don't know this man you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. And Peter remembered the word that Jesus had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows twice, you'll disown me three times. And he broke down. 
Peter failed. Peter failed. He's not the perfect disciple. He's not the perfect disciple, the strong, faithful, righteous disciple he thought he was meant to be, the one he wanted to be. He failed. Why did he fail? Probably lots of different ways you could, you could, you could describe it. I think maybe two, two things. One, he failed because he decided to put his own interests first, protect himself, shelter himself from the potential of being arrested. What, happened? what would happen to me? What would happen to me if they found out I was with him? And he put his own self-interest first. And the second thing I think is he was just, maybe this is a little more gracious one, he was just a, a human. <laughs> Humans are weak. We don't do everything great all the time. We're limited. And he was limited as a human, limited in his ability to stand up when the time came. Some of it was his self-interest, you might call that sin, putting himself first. Some of it was just his human weakness. Ah, I'm just limited as a human. And he ends, did you hear how it ended, ended again? And he broke down and wept. Peter became face to face with his failure, and what did he do? He wept. Have you come face to face with failure before? Remember what that feels like, face to face? I've I've been come alongside people who have struggled with, with sin that seems to just keep coming back and coming back and coming back and it never goes away. And, and again and again, I think of, think of we talking about these redeemed sexuality groups and, and pornography is one of those ones that, that just torments people. It comes back and no, I'm not gonna do it and then I come back again. No, I'm not gonna, no, I'll come. And this, this cycle of failure and when that come face to face again, weeping, in the light of that failure. That's maybe that, that side of, of self-interest, that side when I've been controlling to my children again and have to say, ah, oh, Lord, I did it again, ah, stop, and I weep. But sometimes it's not because of a sin or a rejection or putting myself first. Sometimes it's because I'm just a human, a limited human being. And I remember one time my, my, my senior year of high school, it was my 18th birthday, and uh, we were playing in the baseball playoffs. It was the, the big school playoffs. So we were in the Sweet 16 of the state tournament, and I was batting cleanup, which is, if some of you who uh, don't know baseball so much, that's like you know, the, the fourth hitter. It's the one who you're really supposed to count on for coming through in, in a tough situation. So I'm batting cleanup. I have four at-bats, four chances to hit that day, and... Baseball, baseball row, all four, I struck out. Four strikeouts that day. We lost the game two to nothing. If I had gotten hit one or two of those times, we would have probably won the game. And I remember after that game, weeping. And weeping because that was my last baseball game, but also weeping because I failed. I totally blew it. I mean, I was supposed to be the one to come through. I was the cleanup guy, the senior captain, come through in the clutch, and I failed. And it felt terrible. 
we fail. And we come face to face with our failure like Peter, maybe sometimes we weep. Well, Peter and his failure, he faces his imperfection and he realizes, well, I've just betrayed Jesus. I've just not been the strong, great leader I thought I was gonna be, I thought I could be, and he's stuck. What do I do now? What do I do now? What do I do when I face my failure? What do I do now? Well, we know the story goes on. Next week, we're gonna talk about a little more the story of how, how Jesus is condemned by Pilate, scourged, crucified, hung on a cross for six hours, dies, buried, is buried, and three days later, early in the morning, these women, faithful women, go out to the tomb and find the stone rolled away. The tomb is empty. And there's a man standing there, shining bright, bright clothes, maybe a, uh, an angel, we, I would say, and, and he's, he's there standing, and, and we see in verse six of chapter 16, don't be alarmed, he said, you're looking for Jesus the Nazarene, he was crucified, and he has risen, he's not here. See the place where they laid him, but go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, there you'll see him, just as he told you. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? Everything just changed for Peter. First of all, the one who he betrayed and died and and had put his hopes on but had lost hope in was now alive. He was alive. This, This changes everything and everything everywhere in the whole universe. Jesus is alive. But then, not just that, go tell who? Go tell the disciples and who? You can tell me. Go tell the disciples and who? (laughs) I know I'm not black, but you can still talk to me when I'm preaching, all right? (laughs) It's all right. Disciples and who? (laughs) Thank you. In the midst of his deepest failure, Jesus calls Peter by name. Through this messenger, make sure you tell, find him, find Peter, because Peter thinks he's lost, Peter thinks he's he's stuck, Peter thinks he's a failure, he's done. Make sure you find him, find him somewhere. He's somewhere, you gotta find him, where is he? I gotta find him, Peter, Peter, Peter. (laughs) Rico, I know your name, but, (laughs) Peter. I got you. Jesus wanted to make sure. He calls Peter by name. I see you, Peter. (laughs) He calls Peter by name. It's not just a call, but it's actually an assurance. It's an assurance. Peter, us, in our failure. Jesus loves you. Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. Jesus will be seen there, and Jesus has purposes for you still. Jesus loves you. Jesus has gone ahead of you. You will see him there. Jesus has purposes for you. Jesus meets Peter in the middle of his failure and his human imperfection, embraces him, and calls us forward in him. So our first year of marriage, I, was, uh, I came home and J- Janelle saw I was just really burdened from the day. I was 
just like, ah, oh, did not do things very well today. And she goes, Forrest, you know you're not Superman. And I said, no, I don't. Like, I wanna be Superman. I wanna do everything right. I know, this speaks, you know, make fun of me later. You can, it speaks to my other problems in life. But <laughs> I wanna do everything right. I wanna be Superman. She goes, no, Forrest, you're not, you're not perfect. And that's, you know, that's a gift. And I, I said, no, I, I still, uh, and you know, fortunately, I, I listened to my wife and said, yes, you're right, I'm not perfect. She said, what if you just kind of, I don't know, embrace that somehow, like maybe you had, like, made a dance or something, or I don't know, somebody to celebrate that. So I thought, I should do that. It wasn't really a choreographed dance, but it was in, the, in our, my little, our little living room in Superior, Colorado. I remember I started saying, saying I'm not perfect. Like, just saying it was so freeing. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. Like, I'm not perfect. Jesus, thank you. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. <laughs> and dancing in my living room, screaming at my lungs, thank you, Jesus, I'm not perfect. <laughs> There's freedom. There's freedom for us when we face our imperfection. There's freedom that I'm not perfect, but I'm loved and called. We are not perfect, but we are loved and called by the risen Jesus. We are not perfect, but we are loved and called by the risen Jesus. So we don't have to hide from God. Jesus is calling your name and my name. He's calling our names. We don't have to hide that sin. Oh, well, what if Jesus knew? No, he knows, and he's calling your name. I'm going ahead of you. We don't have to hide from each other. Looking in the round right here, looking at a crossing, oh, look how perfect. I think it's, it's actually very fitting that we named a bunch of people. Look at Luke Parker. Look at Nate Jacobus. Look at Bren Riedahl. Look at these amazing, wonderful Whitworth people. We can name a whole bunch in this room. Look at them. We don't have to hide from them as if they're perfect and we're not. We're all not perfect. We're all not perfect. Every name on that list, all of us, we're not perfect. And yet we are loved and called by the risen Jesus. He's gone ahead of us. He has purposes for us. He loves us. We're not perfect. But Jesus loves us. He's gone ahead of us. It calls us forward in him. Let's stand and sing to this Jesus and rejoice in that good news. Amen. So good to worship with you all today as a community. One quick uh, announcement, there's the Emmaus Scholars Program, the deadline's coming up for uh, registering for that, it's, uh, it's really exciting, so um, keep thinking about that if you're interested in that community of living and discipleship and growth together. I'm not perfect, we're not perfect, but we're loved and we're called. I'm not perfect, can you say it with me? I'm not perfect but we're loved and we're called in Jesus. He has gone ahead of us this day.
He sends us forth in his purposes as his, one, his ones who are loved and called in him. Go in his name by the power of the Spirit and hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving.